All right, well, welcome back to another episode of Bite-Sized Virtue. This is episode five, I think, of season four, and we are still continuing our progress through Lent. It is, or I guess was now, because I'm recording this on Monday, it was just the fifth Sunday of Lent, which means, unless I've got my calendar totally wrong, the next Sunday is Palm Sunday. And I gotta be honest, this particular episode, I, well, A, as I just mentioned, I'm recording it late. Normally I'd record on a Friday afternoon, but um, circumstances dictated otherwise. I didn't actually have a chance to be out and about. Well, no, that's not true. I was very out and about on Friday afternoon, but not in the way I would normally be. Um, I actually took Friday off, and I spent most of the morning uh, running around taking care of various sundry tasks that needed doing before coming home in uh, around the afternoon, packing up and then taking myself and my two older daughters to Camp Woods, which is a scout camp located on Sylvan Lake, Alberta, for... Uh, it was actually sort of the... Uh, it was a spring camp that we were putting on for the Beaver Scouts. And, I mean, my older daughter's a Cub Scout, but she came along anyways, you know, helped out with some stuff. And that was great, but consequently, I wasn't uh, at work on Friday, which means I didn't have my commute home from work on Friday, which means that I didn't record an episode of Bite Size Virtue on Friday, which is also why this episode is releasing a day late. And there's another problem in that I really actually don't know what I'm going to talk about this time. So, well, that's mostly true. I have one idea that we'll see, I'm going to pick away at, and we'll see if anything comes of it. In a way, it's actually inspired by some of the feedback, great feedback, by the way, uh, on Facebook to the last episode, which of course talked about the uh, the confusion in terms, the way that Ultima defines honor, often being at odds with the way that it presents honor, at least in terms of the gypsy questions, the virtue questions, which, you know, when they contrast honor with some other virtue, often have you acting in a way that's actually kind of profoundly dishonorable if you actually look at how the game in its lore defines that particular virtue. But it's interesting because, you know, really the the whole concept of honor in broader society often suffers from that same confusion, right? I mean, we think of someone as being honorable. We do actually generally think of at least when we're using that term in a very positive sense, we do generally tend to think of that person as, you know, being courageous and, and truthful and, you know, just a generally um, reliable person who will, through thick and thin, stand by their word and stand up for others. But then equally, the term honor is used in a lot of other contexts, not all of which are positive, right? I mean, honor often gets conflated with this sort of radical idea of reputation, right? Uh, whether that's, you know, like uh, personal honor or familial honor. I mean, you think about like, you know, cultures which practiced horrible things like honor killings. This, this whole idea of, you know, quote, one's honor or quote, the family honor um, really is just a, a very, is kind of a misnomer. It's, it's, it's a use of the term honor to really 
mean, again, sort of this radicalized sense of reputation that one is um, obligated to defend with sometimes horrific violence. Which, in turn, you know, can lead to practices that aren't particularly honorable, right? I mean, you know, murder, generally speaking, isn't something that one would think of as being, you know, particularly honorable, even uh, even though one might misconstrue it as such. Um, or, you know, we talk about to, to honor one's commitments, which really just means to, you know, live up to one's commitments. And granted, you know, there's a great deal of one can be honorable, one should, if one is honorable, make good on the commitments one pledges oneself to. But uh, again, you know, we use the term honor there to mean something very, very different than, you know, what we use it when we talk about someone being honorable. I wonder, I mean, I, I, I'm speculating here, but I wonder if maybe some of Ultima's confusion in terms, you know, comes from the fact that, I mean, ultimately Richard Garriott was drawing on other forms of popular media. Now, granted, um, actually, the, well, I don't know, this may not actually work, because I mean, like, on, if you think about the Klingons in Star Trek, I'd actually really have to go back and start to pick apart when the concept of honor became a thing for the Klingons. But I mean, like, if you think about ideas of honor that percolate through pop culture, Star Trek, and in particular the Klingons, really stand out as, I think, being, you know, one of the main um, examples of a culture predicated on an idea of honor. Although the Klingon idea of honor is really, again, it's, it's very... In a lot of ways, it could wind up being at odds with um, what we would normally regard as being honor, per the definition of what we would consider honorable conduct. Um, for one, <laughs> there's a lot of... Actually, even within the Klingon definition of honor, there's a lot of contradiction, right? I mean, if you think about the, uh, generally speaking for Klingons, victory is, you know, the most honorable pursuit, victory in battle, which in turn could justify the use of tactics that one might consider dishonorable. See the cloaking device, right? Um, you know, the, a cloaked ship attacking uh, an un, you know, attacking an unsuspecting foe, was that really, you know, honorable? In the Klingon view, it would be if victory is the ultimate goal. Um, even if, you know, we, looking at it, might regard that kind of ambush tactic, lopsided ambush tactic, as being sort of, if not outright dishonorable, then at least kind of, you know, not generally acceptable to use, um, or in like manner, I mean, if, you know, uh, innocents were involved in the crossfire, which in the Star Trek context would almost always be the case if you had Klingons fighting the Federation, uh, at least post-Next Generation, or at least from Next Generation onward, because there were always, or almost always, civilians on Federation starships. 
ultimately Klingon honor, I, like it's very... And here I know that it can't have informed Ultima because it really didn't come to um, come to the forefront until about Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine is actually a really wonderful Star Trek series for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that it really takes a lot of these different cultures, uh, some of the newer ones and some of the older ones, and just expands upon them. It just really picks them apart in all kinds of interesting ways. It does that with the Vulcans, it does that with the humans, the Federation, um, the Ferengi especially, and also the Klingons. Um, even the Romulans get this treatment, but I think the Ferengi and the Klingons stand out as being, you know, two of the, the races that really get dealt with, you know, oh, and the Cardassians, get dealt with in a lot of detail, and we really learn a lot more about them. Um, beyond, you know, what was even presented of them in The Next Generation. And so, you know, within the course of um, Deep Space Nine, we really see conflicting views of honor or how different Klingons can come to different conclusions about what is and isn't honorable. Um, Worf feels that it's honorable to confront Gowron, whereas... Martok, General Martok, feels that it would be dishonorable to do the same, at least during wartime. Um, or, you know, there's that wonderful, actually, speaking of the character of Martok, who seriously is one of the best Klingons in all of Star Trek fiction, um, when we're first introduced to the character, we're actually introduced more or less through his son, who's kind of a braggart and a bully, and Worf puts him in his place, uh, beats him up on Deep Space Nine's promenade, and takes away his dachtag, his dagger. Martok then, of course, comes to Worf's cabin to retrieve the dachtag, and, you know, uh, how does he, I can't remember the exact phrasing, but he steps in, he's basically just like, I've come to reclaim my son's honor, and Worf just kind of pithily replies, you cannot reclaim what someone does not have. Um, which then actually produces a very interesting challenge from Martok. And what of his father? Worf, that remains to be seen. So again, you know, sort of very different views. I mean, Martok takes more of that, that sense of familial reputation view, right? You know, it's like, oh, well, you just impugned my son's honor. Well, what are you saying about me as the father, my honor? And Worf takes a very different view of it. You know, for Worf, honor isn't caught up so much with familial reputation. For Worf, honor is, you know, very much relative, you know, it's very much an individual trait. So it could be that the son is dishonorable, but the father is not. Uh, and I mean, it kind of makes sense that these two men would take these interpretations. Because, of course, Martok is sort of a more traditional Klingon anyways. Um, you know, very much steeped in Klingon culture. He's a general, obviously. He holds a position of prominence. He's risen in the society a fair bit. Worf, of course, if you know your Star Trek lore very, very well, um, Worf has had a much more checkered history. His own family... Well, A, he's only half Klingon, which is all kinds of problematic, and I guess could be arguably considered to be a position of dishonor. You know, some Klingons probably do regard that as being... Um, so, or sorry, he's not, no, Worf is not half Klingon, but he was raised by humans, and that would probably be considered dishonorable. It's Worf's son, who's half Klingon, str and struggles with that very greatly. Um, or wait, no, is Worf's son half Klingon too, or is Worf... Oh, gosh, I can't even remember. At any rate, Worf was raised by humans. 
um, and, you know, like really struggles with, or not, he doesn't struggle with it so much, but, you know, like it causes problems for him within Klingon society. Um, to say nothing of the fact that, you know, his house is uh, at different points in the history of the series, either in favor or very much out of favor. It has honor or it's been dishonored. Um, so, you know, for Worf, I mean, his views of honor are definitely going to be shaped by those experiences and shaped to be a very, you know, shaped very differently than Martok's experiences probably would have been, um, would have shaped him. So, you know, I guess that's where I'm trying to go with all of this is that, you know, both in fiction and in the real world, we really do see this. It's very hard to, you know, just pick out a definition of honor that's broadly applicable in all the different senses that we use that term. And maybe that's because we use that term in way too many senses, um, you know, and we should really be a lot more cautious in terms of how we speak about honor. I think in general, and again, maybe this is just because I grew up playing the Ultima games and... You know, I also grew up, I mean, as a kid, you know, I really uh, took a lot of enjoyment just studying all things military. And of course, you know, in the military, generally speaking, when they talk about honorable conduct or dishonorable conduct, and actually this is true in the um, in the scouts too, in the scouting program. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, you know, in, in the military and in scouting, when we talk about honorable conduct or dishonorable conduct, we really are talking about uh, something that resonates, certainly, with, I think, Ultima's definition of honor. Not necessarily its presentation of honor, but its definition of honor. Which is to say, you know, again, you know, someone who is truthful, who is courageous, who is forthright. Whose, whose word really is his bond. Sorry, just trying to turn a corner here. And when we talk about, you know, a dishonor, you know, dishonorable conduct in those same situations, you know, we really are talking about someone who has broken faith, broken trust, broken an oath. Or, you know, you know, like done something profoundly cowardly or um, untruthful or, you know, just wrong. Yeah, maybe just because I did come up through the scouting program and did really, you know, study uh, military history and, and military organizations you know, like ranks and, and such like a lot. And maybe because I grew up playing the Ultima games, maybe that's shaped my idea of what honor is and what honor entails and what being honorable entails. And so, you know, when I hear terms like honor killing or, or family honor, or when I see the Klingons uh, banter back and forth about <clears throat> what is and isn't honorable, you know, I kind of look at that and I'm thinking, well, that's not really... Like that's not that's not what honor is, you know? It's And I think a lot of it actually comes down to, you know, that that bloodletting and that violence. You know, honor isn't 
Even something like, you know, a duel and, and satisfying grievances on the, quote, field of honor, unquote. Honor isn't, shouldn't be, violent, I don't think. Uh, I think I really do actually side, you know, more with Worf on this, and that, you know, honor is very much, it's an internal quality that governs how we relate to others and how we are, you know, forthright with them. And it's generally not something that should result in violent action, whether to, uh, you know, whether to defend or to uphold. I mean, at least I would hope that it wouldn't result in violent action. Uh, with one little exception, there's a... Um, there's a part of the in, <clears throat> part of the investiture of a rover scout. Uh, so in Scouts Canada, there are five levels of scouting. There's Beaver Scouts, Cub Scouts, Scouts, Venturer Scouts, and Rover Scouts. And then basically, I'm going by ages here. So you know, Beaver Scouts, five to seven year olds, Cubs, eight to ten, Scouts, uh, twelve or eight, uh, ten to thirteen rather. Sorry, eleven to thirteen. Adventures, 14 to 17. Rovers, 18 to 26. So actually, you're a rover. Um, if you go all the way through the scouting movement, you'll be a rover the longest, because it covers the most number of years. And the investiture of a rover <clears throat> optionally involves the delivery of the buffet, which basically is where, you know, the uh, the advisor for the, for the rover crew um, during the course of, you know, having the rover recite the, the law and the promise and the motto of scouting um, gives him a shot on the arm. <clears throat> and it's basically, you know, to remind you that at, in, at some level, your honor as a scout is all you have. And you shouldn't accept any you, you shouldn't allow yourself to ever compromise that, you know? And it's not a case of, you know, like, demanding satisfaction for impugned honor. It's really very much, again, about that inward quality. You know, it's like, my honor is, is mine, and I, and I have it, and I'm ultimately the only one who can maintain it, just as I am really the only one who can destroy it. And so it really is on me as a scout, as a rover scout, to safeguard, you know, my honor, to ensure that in all of my conduct and all of my dealings with my fellow scouts and indeed with all of humanity and indeed with the world in and of, you know, just the world in general, um, not just the people that live in it, but the natural environment as well. Um, that, you know, my conduct is honorable, that I am truthful and kind and obedient and all of those other things that, you know, a scout is or is supposed to be. And if I <clears throat> fail in any of those respects, well, then ultimately I've only myself to fault for that. And if I do ultimately um, dishonor, you know, if ultimately I am dishonored, well, again, like, 
I really only have myself to fault for that. Anyways. Thank you for listening. I, I hope, I mean, like I say, I had no idea what I was going to say today. And so I just pulled up some notes on Klingons and went from there. <laughs> but thank you for listening at any rate. I got to cut this one uh, short because the car ride has to stop a little bit prematurely. This car is horribly dirty after the scout camp on the weekend and needs a wash. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next week. And until then, be virtuous. Virtuous.